I'm Jacob Rodriguez, Editor-in-Chief of the University Star, and you're listening to a University Star podcast. Around here, when you win, it isn't good enough. You know, but when you lose, damn sure ain't good enough. So so what is good enough? You guys need to tell us what is good enough. I guess you get paid to cause controversy, but in this locker room, we're not going to help that call. You, you write that in the paper. You write that. You make money off that. You're carrying on like a legacy, like your last name, you know? The people that did this in the 80s, they weren't doing it just because, oh, they thought it was a cool hairdo. No, they were doing it because they were badass. Welcome to episode 21 of Cats Got Our Tongue. I'm not Claire Partain, as you can tell. She is still on vacation. This is the vice president of podcasting, a.k.a. the Texas State Sports Press, Andrew Zimmel. I'm here with, we got Colton, we got Sean coming up. It's a great episode. It's episode 21, so now these episodes can officially drink. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a little bit, I think, more fun from here on out. But we now are, as our editor-in-chief Jacob Rodriguez would say, we are now on the air. We're going going with it. So I got Colton in here, writer for the University Star. The sports section has been the only thing that has a pulse all summer, it feels like. Yes. Very big things happening last week. We're recording this on Friday because it's been such a jumbled up week. Sunday, we had our first media day, Texas State Media Day. Yeah, Texas State Media Day. We kicked off the season, essentially, with practices and everything. You've been around the team a little bit more than I have. Talk to me a little bit about media day and then going into these practices. Well, there's kind of like a big excitement around this season. I got to talk to, like, a lot of players. I got to talk to uh, Jalen Gibson, Gress Jensen, and, like, until I read all the quarterbacks. Got to talk to Anthony Taylor. And I got to talk to, like, the – Basically, got to talk to a little bit of everybody, kind of who's kind of going to be like really important to the, the salad bar of players. Yeah, the salad bar of players, yeah. And then we also got to talk to Zach Spavadol, Jack, Jake Spavadol, and then Bob Stitt. So, so let's talk about the quarterback room because coming into the season, I think everybody has their favorite to be the the pick, yes. right? We're mm-hmm. we're down. It's the Bachelorette final at this point. <laughs> yes. You got two rows. You got a rose left to pretty much give to the person you're going to marry. This is going to be the quarterback for the season. I think it's going to be Gresh Jensen. I've said from the beginning, I thought Gresh comes in with more experience than Tyler, even though Tyler was the starting quarterback for a little bit of last mm-hmm. year. Gresh comes in with that Juco experience, the Bob Stitt system. I thought that from day one he was going to be the starting quarterback. Spav has kind of gone around the bush a couple times with mm-hmm. it, doesn't really want to announce. Coming out of media day, do you feel we have a pulse on who's going to be the quarterback? Well, so before media day, when they open up pre- – Open up fall camp. Jack Spavadol, Jack Spavadol actually came out it's like two weeks before the AM game. We're probably going to name a starter. So that's probably going to be where we're going to be. So looking. that's like next week. Yeah, that is next week. So that's where we're going to find like who's going to be definitely the starting quarterback. And I'm with you. I've always liked Gress Jensen just because like he has been in Bob Stead's system. He, and he, like I said, he was almost the national player of the year in the FCS just as a freshman. And the only reason he didn't stay at Montana is because like Montana just basically is. The best way to describe Montana, like, they're up north. It's very cold. They're ground and pound. They didn't like Bob Stitt's, like, system. I feel like Montana really did Gresh dirty just mm. by sending him off. I mean, I interviewed him, and he was kind of like, yeah. we." Bob Stitt even went into it. was like, yeah, we had a young class, but, like, we were doing really well. But it was like they want they want to stick to their tradition. Like, the Grizzlies want to stick to their ground and pound game. And, like, that's kind of how it ended. And, like I said, Gresh just didn't fit that system. And that's kind of how – that's kind of that's kind of the backstory, like how they both came to Texas State. I think that's an interesting story because Stitt, of course, is he's not as well known as the Leeches or 
the uh, Holgersons or even the Spavadols no. when it comes to this type of system. But every one of those guys will be the first to tell you that he is kind of one of the godfathers of this. Yes, like when you go, everyone remembers when Dana Holgerson's like West Virginia team like absolutely destroyed Clemson. And everyone was like, oh, what kind of, like that was when you first saw like the fly sweep. And I think someone was like, oh yeah, what did you, what did you learn about the fly sweep? Oh yeah, Bob Stitt like showed it to me. So like Bob Stitt's like, He's kind of mainly known around the internet, like the internet nerd circles, more like more than like the mainstream media. But like he is one of the innovators of like that spread system. That's interesting. So Gresh comes in. I think we both agree that he's probably going to be the starting quarterback. Yes. You talk a little bit about the running backs. I don't. I cannot imagine that the running game for Texas State is just going to disappear. I think that. There's going to be a little bit more of the air raid. There's going to be a little bit more mm -hmm. of like the spread offense. But I cannot imagine a world where Texas State moves completely away from running the ball. Now, so I think everyone's been so focused on this quarterback race and like how the passing game. I really think the running game is going to be the key to like Texas State success. Interesting. Like I truly believe like Anthony Taylor and that core group of running backs. They've like improved. Like you, we saw in the spring game, like they were the most impressive thing about the Texas State offense. Like their ability to run and like they were running gets texas state de the texas state defense which is like it's a really good defense like let's well and to be fair too it was really windy yeah and it was really you really windy. couldn't yeah. throw the ball but yeah I, I get what you're saying the evolution of the running game has been something that i think fans have fans that have watched this team through the last three years of just struggling and just kind of being bottom of the barrel I think that those fans who came to the games and watched the team, I think they know, oh, the running game has progressively gotten a little bit better. The offensive line play is still, I rated it as like a D plus, C minus. Yeah. I still don't think that they have the type of guys on that offensive line that's going to be a team that's going to be contending. Like, I, I think without a doubt that this is a six-win team. And I think anything less oh, yeah. is, is hinders that. And we're going to get mm -hmm. into that in a second. But... The, the fact that the offensive line isn't where it needs to be for a Division One team, that is going to be the yeah, Achilles the, heel of this team. Yeah, so, like, everyone talks about the quarterbacks in the running game, but it is the offensive line that runs the entire ship. Without an offensive line, like, your offense is basically relentless. I mean, like, look at Florida State. Like, they had, a, like, a crap crappy offensive line and like look they went five and seven and missed a ball game for like the first time in like 30 years so like the offensive line is the most important thing about this offense like no I agree like the offensive line needs to improve next week we're going to talk a little bit more about the defense and we're going to really hammer that offensively I still think this team even with Spavadol in it's going to take them a little bit I still think they're a C plus B minus offense mm -hmm. when it comes to just grading uh sides of the ball I mean, it's going to be interesting. So media day, what would you give the grade to it? You liked it? You thought it was the best oh, yeah. one we've had? Yeah, I thought it was really good. Like talking to other journalists, like Jake Jake Spavadol is like a really cool like like he's a person you can sit in a room and like you can talk. You can to, have like, a beer with. Yeah, you can have a beer with. Like same with like Bob Stead and like Zach Spavadol. Like just talking with all the media people is like yeah, this is so much better when Evan Withers because apparently from what I've heard, Evan Withers is just not a media person. He I don't know if what your experiences were with him. Like I never had a chance to interview him, but he's, that was... he's a different, he's a different cat. He's a different type of guy. And Spav is, he's a younger dude and mm -hmm. he has proven to time and time again to just be a guy's guy. Yeah. Kind of. It's going to be interesting. I'm it, Claire, the person who usually hosts this podcast, yes. she has a pretty good relationship with him. And I'm going to kind of gauge how 
he is based on what she says. So okay. we'll see we'll see where that, where that goes. Yeah. All right, next up we're going to have Sean and Shondo talk to us another time. We're breaking down another game on the Texas State football schedule. Right now I think the Bobcats are 3 and 4 in his fantasy projections. So, is this the week that they get back over 500 or are the Bobcats in the toilet bowl? We're going to find out next. Here's Sean. On the phone line right now we have Sean breaking down the greatest game of probably the schedule the the louisiana schools are the coin flip on the schedule mm-hmm. they're breaking down ull sean how you doing i'm doing great how you guys doing all right sean right now the bobcats are sitting at what three and four in your projections yeah i got them at three and four all right so coming into this game what are some big impact players some big impact schemes some themes break it down for us what are you expecting from this game well, the first thing is um, is the coaching staff. Uh, Billy Napier, he's he's one of the um, he's like a Dabo Sweeney and a Nick Saban disciple. So like that that's uh, he's been kind of building a, a good program over there. Uh, last year they won the the Western Division. Um, they they're also returning their the two running backs that destroyed Texas State last year, uh, Trey Raggs and Elijah Mitchell. Uh, those guys. Uh, I think they they rushed for over close to 300 yards against Tex, uh, against Texas State last year. They're also returning uh, um, their pretty much their whole offensive line. It's going to be uh, senior heavy, and uh, most of them were all conference players. Uh, one player they are they do have to replace is a quarterback, um, Andrew uh, Nunez. But I mean, he, last year he wasn't really their best player. He was just kind of like he was just there. Um, but they do have a, they do have some uh, some they had they had a really good recruiting class. Plus they have a uh, a JUCO transfer name Javi Magalier. I can't say his name, but yeah. So definitely they they have a really good squad. They they also put together one of the best uh, recruiting classes in Sun Belt history. What? That. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, all right, break that down for us then. Because uh, what are we going off? Are we going off rivals? Are we going off Scout 24? Like, what? How, how do we judge this as the best recruiting class? Just by the amount of, like, two stars and three stars they got? Yeah, um, so they recruited better than uh, um, than UCF. Or, yeah, so they, according to this, um, I, I got this from SB Nation, but they, they have – they had the 76th best recruiting class in the country. Uh, that's better than Cincinnati, uh, South Florida, and BYU. Oh, okay, oh, South okay. Florida. Okay. okay. We were, yeah. I'm in the I'm in the studio right now with Colton, and you said UCF, and we both like. Oh yeah, we were like our, our eyebrows raised. <laughs> okay, so better than uh, South Florida, better than Cincinnati. All right, so Lafayette has a good team. They're going to have a good team. The Bobcats are coming in after what you said was going to be a loss in Jonesboro to the Red Wolves. So they come in to face the Raging Cajuns. What are some things the Bobcats need to do well to win this game? Um, I would say on defense. And and this is going back to, I don't know if you guys, you guys talked about uh, media day, but as far as the defense and how much, Everyone was talking about how great the defense has been looking in, in camp so far. Um, the thing about uh, Louisiana is they are not a very good defensive team. So if you can, um, if you can really control uh, on 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 the defensive side of the ball, you you can probably you, you you have a good chance of winning this game. 
because they're 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 replacing their their quarterback. Um, you also have uh, you have Brian Lundy, Nick Daniels, and all those guys um, to try to stop the run. They got embarrassed last year, and and I think they they're gonna they're they're gonna have revenge on their mind. So, so I would think. Uh, go ahead. No, I was about to say. Do you think this is going to be like an offensive shootout type of game? Or are we talking about uh, both teams? It could go- be. Yeah. It it definitely can be a, a shootout, and I, I don't I I I would feel I'd feel pretty good about this game, based on how how bad Louisiana's defense is. And um, by this game, what what are we in a week? What week eight? Or or this is a what the eighth game of the year? So you you should be. Your offense should be kind of starting to figure it out by then, and uh, um, you, like you, um, your your team's gonna it, the the offense that's being implemented right now. They should be comfortable in it. You'll have your quarterback that that should have a lot of starts under him. Um, your running back, your the running game going back to media days. They're saying how physical the run the running team is. So I think these teams are are evenly matched. I would say that Louisiana has the edge as far as talent again but um this this one this one can be really close um I would, would you say, almost call it a coin flip yeah <laughs> just like you're saying it's definitely a coin flip um I, it's it's always hard because I think Texas State will have a better quarterback at this point um the coaching I think they have the edge in coaching uh, as, as for running backs, I think they have that. They have a slight, at, well, not a slight. I think they have the edge on on running backs because they they're just proven. Um, defensively, Texas State has the edge. Um, offensive line, they have the edge. Uh, front seven on the defensive side, Texas State has the edge. So it could be a, a coin flip. It, it's this game's gonna uh, this game is gonna be really interesting. All I, right. I, Sean, make a prediction though. We we don't get a half halves on these predictions. So they're three and four coming into this game. They're going to be coming out of it. Okay. So this is this is um this is based on what I think this season is gonna be all about. Um so let me start off with this. Like I said, this, I predict this being a high scoring game. Um uh, the Raging Cajuns uh, or Louisiana, uh, if they can figure out their quarterback situation, this uh, this team can be really good. So that that's a that's a big part of it. I think the Bobcats will find their identity, like I said before. Um, but like what I was saying, what I, on this season is Texas State, they're going to win a game or two that they're not supposed to win. And I think this is a game that that they're not supposed to win, but they're going to oh! pull it out. Four and four, four and four, guys. All right. Um, so now they got two more, two more games to get to bowl eligibility. <laughs> yeah, and and the good thing is this is a huge game because they're going into South Alabama, so they they that's an that's another winnable game. Mm-hmm. South before Alabama they, comes before, into San Marcos. Yeah, in San Marcos, this is the this is the game before the Troy and Appalachian State game, which. Um, that those those are just the, the the two top teams in the conference. So yeah, they so. get South Alabama, <laughs> Troy, App State, and Coastal to end the season. All right, four and four, yeah. Sean. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. I'll I'll talk to you guys next week. Talk to you next week, right. Sean. Thank you so much for Sean for coming on, Colton. 
let's talk women's sports at Texas State. So volleyball and soccer have been killing it in these preseason rankings. And I know that you can't put too many eggs in the same basket and say, well, we have all these preseason so-and-sos. What can you do in the season? I will say I do like to see the graphics department at Texas State Athletics doing a good job yes. with this. The GIFs have been on, or GIFs or however you want to pronounce it, the moving pictures have been on point. Uh, this is going to be a very fun soccer season for sure. I'm going to tell you a little story. I'm going to tell the listeners a little story. So when I came to Texas State, my first beat was women's soccer. And a lot of people might know him. Uh, Parker Ray worked at KTSW Sports. He was a sports director for a minute. Um, He... He was supposed to be on that beat, too, but he was lazy and he didn't want to go to soccer practices. Mm -hmm. So I was at every single soccer practice in 2016. Every single one. From the opening of, like, fall campish in the middle of August all the way to the end of the season. And was that their best season? Probably not. But... It was the most fun I've had covering a team. So women's soccer at Texas State has always been in my bloodstream, it seems. So seeing so many all preseason players, Heather Martin looks amazing. Yes, that That is what I've continued to see her name pop up on my timeline. Uh, talk to me a little bit more about it. Well, like I said, so the Sun Belt came out with their preseason rankings, and Texas State swept both the offensive, like preseason offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year. Uh, Heather Martin was the Defensive Player of the Year, and Kaylee Davis was the Offensive Player of the Year. So it was kind of like a cool thing. It's like, oh, yeah, Texas State just basically swept these soccer preseason awards. It's only, like, I know we well, That's the first time I think they've ever done that. Yes. Yeah, and I don't remember another time where, and if there is another time, you can tweet at us, at mm-hmm. Andrew underscore Zimmel. Maverick. Maverick Cassidy. So. On Twitter, there it is. Uh, you can tweet at us and tell us where we got got it wrong. But I'm pretty sure that this is going to be one of the best women's soccer teams in recent history. And yes. this is a team that played very well last year. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Didn't they clinch the regular they season? They did. Yes. So like I said, they clinched the regular season title. I think they fell in like the tournament final last year. So like, it's almost giving like, this team like an extra almost like extra motivation and considering like we did sweep the preseason awards this this basically gives like a lot of hype to our women's soccer team yeah and i mean the women's soccer the soccer team in general is going to be incredible um connors has done an excellent job uh coaching that team you know and is she the best coach in the Sun Belt when it comes to women's soccer or when it comes to soccer I think that's going to be start being a debate in the next mm-hmm. couple months i think that you're going to see a lot of people myself included arguing for her case that she might be the best uh, recruiter too because I remember my freshman year I don't remember the two uh, the the two forwards and defender yeah. the defender and the forward but I remember we had two captains who were very good I think they both ended up on all conference teams but three years later you have two more guys or two more gals I should say yeah. who are all preseason conference players this season is going to be a lot of fun. If you are a student just coming to campus, this is the first time you're listening to a Texas State podcast in general, you should go to these uh, soccer games. It's a little hot, but I will say the dorms that are just across the street from the stadium, those guys come and they fa- they pack that stadium, so it's yes. nice. So let's talk a little bit about volleyball. On the same beat, the volleyball team is in- – they're, they're a lot of fun to watch. They have a couple players who are have left the team. Um, a couple guys have graduated. They still have Dinwiddie. They still have Emily uh, DeWalt. They still mm-hmm. have uh, Brooke Johnson. They still have a team pretty much intact from the team that they had last year that won an NCAA tournament game. What do you are? What are your expe- expectations from this team? I mean, it's 
I think it's like I was expecting to win like the Sun Belt regular season title, win the conference title, and then like win at least an NCAA like tournament win, or at least compete in an NCAA in the NCAA tournament. I think, like I said, I think the volleyball team's like probably was the most successful team last year in during this athletic period, considering they did win the conference championship, the the, the tournament championship, and then winning at least a tournament game which I don't think Texas State ever has done since we moved up to FBS. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna like I think the hype is real for like our volleyball team and I think they need to keep the expectations like high. Like this is the standard we need to set every t- time. We don't need to lower the standard. I think if you keep setting the standard it's like that's what you need to do with a program. You just need to find like what's the next step higher? What is the next step to become like not only like a great Sun Belt volleyball team but a pro- Maybe a, perhaps a national powerhouse. Powerhouse. We'll see. A lot of high expectations. So we'll talk about that, women's soccer, and more football news all on next week's podcast. We'll, we'll, where we will be breaking down, Sean will ha- come on and talk about South Alabama. We'll talk a little bit more about what we expect from the defense. We'll give you all the good Texas State junk coming out. Thank you so much for listening. Please continue to read the University Star. That's the number one way you can support podcasts like this. Thank you.